Welcome to the Tales of Sales podcast. I'm your host, Broden Johnson. I've spent close to a decade living and breathing sales, and I've learned that everyone's in sales, whether we know it or not. Once a week, I have the pleasure of speaking with amazing people from all walks of life to hear their tales of sales. Obviously, the podcast is about sales. Right. Um, to some regard. So, my philosophy is that selling is human, as we've mm-hmm. discussed with you before. Everyone's in sales, whether they are, think that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the guy I had in here yesterday was a landscaper, mm-hmm. but we had a, an hour conversation about sales mm-hmm. because even though he thinks he's a landscaper, he's actually a salesperson. Right. Because at the end of the day, he doesn't get any jobs if he doesn't get any sales, does he? No. Cool. So, to kick things off, what's your crazy sales story? I've got a couple. Uh, one was uh, I um, proved to my staff at Magic Memories, a global photography company, that you can make a sale without using any words. And oh. so I just did a pure mind to get a customer to spend $30 on a, a tourism f- photography product. So you, that was quite fun. How would you manage that? Well, just by assumptive. So you put, put the product in the hands, uh, you smiled at them, um, you pointed to the price, you got a bag out, you took it from them, you put the product in the bag and you put out your hand. And it worked? So, yeah, and it worked. Every time? Uh, no, I only did it once. Oh, yeah, I only did it once. Uh, the, the point was that they were complaining that uh, the customers didn't have English as their first language and I was just proving that you didn't have to use it. Yeah, okay. So that's, that was fairly crazy. Um, my other crazy sale was I got a job uh, in an industry I knew nothing about, yeah. um, which was uh, selling advertising space for a newspaper. And so on the Monday, I went in and I said, I've come about the job. They said, oh, no, we're not recruiting for six months. So on Tuesday, I said, well, who would I ask about the job? She said, no, no, we're not recruiting for six months. Uh, the person you need is Frank Marvin. Yeah. Went back on Wednesday, waited for this girl to come back out to the office, walked in, went to see Frank Marvin and said, Frank, I've come about the job. Um, I want to start selling purely commission-based advertising for you and I'm ready to start today. He said, fine, got the job, walked in, started selling. She came back for lunch and what are you doing here? I said, I started that job. <laughs> and did you do all right? Yeah, great. And then I created a, a whole feature program in the, in the newspaper um usually they were doing features of one or two pages my biggest one ever was 64 pages yeah. um i created one that lasted the same same feature for every day for three months so i just went skiing yep so yeah so you know if you just think outside the square you can sort of sell yourself into them why do you want that job though what was it about that position that you were so adamant about getting oh because i needed to get a passport for new zealand i had a week and a half to get a job um and then i got um residency of new zealand from that job yeah nice yeah so that was that's why i needed it that's bloody incredible. It was, it, was, it, was, it was a bit of pressure, but it was all right. Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of pressure. I think no. I think we all perform a little bit better in some cases when we've got the pressure, when we've got the deadlines to get things done. Yeah. Absolutely. Otherwise, our procrastination can tend to take over, can't it? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Do you, do you believe we're all in sales? Oh, absolutely. Everybody's in sales. Everybody, you know, you're selling to your selling to your parent, you're selling to your child, you're selling to your partner, you're selling to the, the milkman. You know, there, it is the way in which you're selling yourself as a, as a personality. You're a brand yourself, mm-hmm. and uh, to be able to put forward your brand is is a key to your success. Yeah, of course, we're all we've all got to sell one way or another. And I, and I spoke about this um, the other day, but I think parents are a massive salespeople. Yeah, I I I think my daughter is one of the best salespeople ever mm. because they come through with the assumption it's dad, let's go to the park. There's no question about it. Mm. And if I don't say, if I say no, it's like objection. I'll say it again, repeat, repeat until finally came in. All right, let's go to the park. So, and I think that shows a persistence brings through. And I think a lot of salespeople get that wrong is that they ask once and they give up and go, Oh, 
Oh, no, the fun starts after the first note. Absolutely. That's when the job really starts, isn't it? Yeah. So for your preferred method of, of selling, I suppose, to ask, would you do you rather sell over the phone or are you more of a face-to-face kind of man? I operate a lot better face-to-face because I actually read the people yep. um, and I can uh, get a feeling of how they're, how it's going. Um, and just, just uh, you know, on the phone, yes, I, I, mean, I, I can sell on the phone and uh, and I, I, I have my own techniques of doing so. Um, mm-hmm. I stand up, I jump, I stand on tables, I stand on one leg. You know, they don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I look in the mirror. Yeah. Um, so there's whatever the personality, so I can get a, a personality rather than just a monotone. Mm-hmm. So it helps inflection, it helps uh, up and down the voice. Uh, but face-to-face is much easier. Why? Um, because there's more feedback, there's more immediate feedback, um, and um, you can steer a, steer a conversation the way you need it to go. Okay, and you can do that better in person. You think? I feel I can do it better in person. I don't think there's any right or wrong. No, uh, but uh, it, the, you know the question was which do I prefer? I prefer face to face. Yeah, no, and I completely agree. I think I think some people are going to benefit one or the other, and I think they'll lean towards one or the other. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I think uh, phone sales are more teachable. Yeah, um, because there are le- there are less things that you have to really con- consider yourself with, like like the presentation, like uh, reading the client. However, um, the idea of the body language is really important to me. Yeah, correct. I think I think uh, body language is awesome. When I used to sell real estate, that's a big in the body language kind of thing. Is you can tell if one person's closed off just by looking at them, whereas you do miss out on that feature when you are selling over the phone. But mm. I think it's cool that you you jump around and you do those things because I think one of the big things that people struggle with is having that influx in tone they think that they're monotone and it's because often they're sitting down hunched over mm. making phone call after phone call but if you can just stand up and haven't seen yeah, someone jump also, on a table before yeah. but <laughs> but also visualization i mean yeah. I, I, I was doing something one job i had and the the winning prize was a trip to mexico and acapulco oh wow uh, so I, I got some sand in a uh, a container took my shoes off and socks off and put my feet and twiddled my toes in the sand because I was visualizing this. being on that on that sales trip. Oh, that's great. You know, so you could you can kid yourself into into the reaction of the way you're gonna do it. So I was saying to myself that I was a success. Yeah. And then projecting that through the telephone. That's half the battle one, isn't it? Yes. If you can do that. So what are you doing now then? Like if we can get to know a little bit about you like what what are you doing right now? Well I retired about four years ago. Um and uh and then just just basically out of boredom. Um, I'm just uh, coming back into thinking about being an entrepreneur and, and uh, helping uh, helping Brett with some some ideas. So I'm starting up a recruitment company, yeah, nice. um, and so we've got a, a, a few angles there. Um, I'm an investor in a, a number of businesses. Um, I'm still um, partly involved in my um, photography company. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, just basically just uh, just for a bit of fun, just creating a, a couple of. Uh, not necessarily revenue streams, but sort of interest streams for me to, to, to dabble in. Keeps you busy, keeps you yeah. occupied, keeps yeah. you off the streets. Yeah, something like that. So with your photography company you mentioned, yeah. that's obviously your main, I guess, baby, I yeah. suppose you could call where did Where did that start? How did that come about? So 25 years ago, on the back of an envelope, I came up with this idea of making uh, a photograph um, into a marketing product. So we, I went out with a friend uh, who was, uh, we were, designing a wine list for her um, new restaurant. I said, well, tell me your story. And her story was um, that she used to take photographs in Queenstown of the Urns Law, mm-hmm. and it was, a, it was an old boat, and they, it goes out, and she quickly pr- produced those photos and sold them to American tourists as they came off. Right. So I came up with this idea of doing a sort of gondola in New Zealand, which is what I did, um, told a mate at work, and he said, yep, let's do it. So we started up this business selling photos in, in New Zealand. 
Fast forward 25 years, we've got 4,000 staff. We've got, we're a global company and turn over in excess of $100 million. Shit, that's a big jump up. Yeah, so it's been busy. You've, you've obviously had challenges along the way. What would you say has been the biggest business challenge that you've had um, to overcome? Business growth is, it, it, if you imagine a hockey stick, it's like a J curve. So you go through the J and then you, get to, you, get, you plateau and then you go through another J. Mm. So each one of those stages, that's when it's really scary. It's fun but scary. So, um, you know, the... Growing from 40 million to 80 million in one year, that was quite a scary wow. uh, transition. Um, new, new territories, um, you know, so we decided uh, um, to change countries and uh, we, we followed English speaking, but then Barcelona Football Club came up. So we're, in, we're suddenly in Spain. So, mm-hmm. you know, just, just the challenge of, of, of jurisdiction is really the things that have been quite hard. Yeah, it sounds like it's been a, a big growth, but the growth, the actual growth has been the hardest part for you, I suppose. Is that what you that's what, yeah, um, yeah. Pro- systems and processes. Yeah. I mean, in effect, we're running a hundred, you know, a chain of two hundred and something attraction um, photography yeah. businesses, um, and so that that's quite duplicatable. But you know, it's, it's just it's just things that you don't realise you don't know until you, you until you need them. That's that's the bit that's difficult. I, cr- I, I guess when you're scaling a business to those degrees, it really would test all your processes and systems that you've got in place, and they've got to they've sort of got to withstand that test of time. If Absolutely. you don't have them set up correctly, then that's when it can all go wrong. Absolutely. Well, America is like 50, 50 countries. You know, there's, there's jurisdictions, different sales tax, different ways to pay people. Mm. Um, you know, even even sort of currency. We have to think about currency hedging and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, we, we're a company that takes photographs. We don't necessarily think about, you know, um, hedging the dollar against the rand, against the New Zealand dollar. It's just, you know, it's completely different. Yeah. There's all these things you don't even have to, you wouldn't even think about, but they, they happen. No. But I mean, I think I think the the fundamental of the business is I I, I have created my own personal mantra, which find which is find good, five good bastards, and so my entire being is I surround myself with five people, and they become my core, and then I rely on them, and uh, to allow them to to steer me through the business, mm-hmm. and particularly when we were going through that growth phase, I had to change some of the five, but uh, you know it's important to sort of you know reach out to people to help you through the the things that you don't know. Of course. You got any advice on how to find those five people? Be genuine. Give give them something back in return. Um, be engaged in those people, and make sure you don't have five identikits to you. You want you want variety, mm. uh, and the reason you're you're relying on other people's opinions is hopefully they're different from yours. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's awesome advice. Mm. So on a completely different subject now, um, you and I have spoke a little bit about this before, but scripts. If you're doing a sale. Mm-hmm. And over the years, you've, you've done different sales. Mm-hmm. Are you a believer in having a script beforehand or are you the sort of person that just goes for it? Do you believe in having a script or not? I believe that you have a script, um, whether that script is written down and you read it verbatim or it's in your head. But there has to be a process and a, and a, a concerted effort to get the, the message across. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my, one of my examples is that when we photograph people going up a gondola, um, we recommended to them to make sure that they have some f- the salmon because it's the only place in New Zealand they can get the salmon. Mm-hmm. So every single person going up, we said, remember to have some salmon. As they came down, we asked them, how was the salmon? And they think, oh, how did they remember me? Well, the reason is we ask everybody. Yeah. Okay. So we were using knowledge of words we- we've put into the ether to complete the sale. Mm. So that's a, that's a silly example. But, you know, you, with the script, you make sure you know where you are, you put it in context, and you work out what works and work out what doesn't. After you develop your own skills, and of course the, the script can go away, and you say it naturally. But basically, as long as you've got um, a reason to talk, a reason to you know, call to action, what you know clearly what the next steps is, and you, you get customer engagement, the script will help you get to that final yeah. point of the sale. 
then it will help you, I guess, track what works and what doesn't work. Because if you're saying something through there, you know what you're saying because you've got it scripted. Yeah. And then if it's not working, you can take it out and change it, right? Absolutely. Analytics are the key. So if, if, you, if, you, if you say the same thing to 10 people, it doesn't work. You've got to change what you're saying. Yeah. And when it comes to a salesperson, then what's the biggest mistake you've seen salespeople make? Uh, not listening. Not listening. Yeah, so so you know you've got what one mouth and two ears. Use them mm. in that order. Yeah, I think that's come on. How would you overcome that, or what would you suggest? Um, well, they 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 basically if if the salesperson has has to be able to review their own um, performance, mm -hmm. and so either by recording what they're saying or making note of what they're saying. But you know, it, it's it's almost it's a, it creates a, a sort of a stand down. Whoever talks talks next loses. Yeah. So you use them in the right proportion. Yeah. I think there's a lot more to it than lis listening sounds simple and it sounds almost too simple, but I think there's a lot to it when you're actively listening to a customer or li listening to a, to a client or something like that. You have to actively listen and have that genuine engagement mm. is what it's all about. Mm. We have a topic on each podcast. So each mm -hmm. person that comes on here gets a little topic of the day and just a couple of quick questions around it. Mm -hmm. So the topic today is about first impressions. Right. So I thought that would be a great one for you because I know you've had thousands and thousands of first impressions you've yeah. probably you've probably got pretty good at it over mm -hmm. the years um what's what's one thing you consider important when making a first impression from the from the salesperson's point of view yeah from well eye contact in, is vital um and and just 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 generally sort of you have one you have one go to, to make that first impression mm -hmm. but the key is to to be confident know who you are and to to, to look the prospect in the eye and, and and introduce yourself positively and confidently yeah and you almost answered my second question there but it was do you think that the first impression has a lasting effect on the relationship you have for that person you don't get a second chance the first impression and you might as well make it the best one you can so um so it, it's not completely detrimental I, i've i've walked into businesses where i walked into a business that was planning a theme park and the first thing i did when i met this guy i put my hand over to, to shake his hand he had a cup of coffee in it and i spilt his coffee all over the uh, theme park his only copy of oh, the no. theme park plan right so that was a fairly negative first impression i still managed to turn it around and sell sell to him so it's not the end of the world but yeah. at the main, main time i wish in hindsight i'd never smashed that cup of coffee so you're sort of pedaling uphill most of the rest of that conversation. <laughs> of, yeah, trying right. to, and dabbing. Yeah, trying to salvage what you've got left. Uh, what do you think is the most common mistake that people that people make when having that first impression? Over, over trying. Over trying. You know, it, it, life is a people business, selling is a people business, and mm. you, you, you have to have a, a genuine personality to provide the service of whatever product it is. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Mm. All right, you ready for some fun? Okay. You asked me earlier when we came in what these three things are for. I've got the bell for you. So mm -hmm. we've got a, a couple of items for you to have some fun with. All right. So we've got a nice shiny bell, one of those ones you see on the counter of the yep. shop. Yeah. One of those ones. All right. We've got a box of butterfly clips. Yeah. And a beautiful blue and a pink flamingo pocket square. Right. Okay. Yeah. So... These are the three items you got here. You can have a look at them. Mm -hmm. Basically, the rules of this game is you're going to pick one of these three items. Mm -hmm. And then from that point, you're going to pitch me. So you can make up anything about them. It doesn't, you know, it is what it is. You can make up price, the story, whatever this thing does. All right. You're going to pick one of these. My job is to throw an objection at you, one of the common ones that you might see in the, in the sales field. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to try and overcome it and continue through with that sale. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah I'll go that. Butterfly right. clips. Yep. yep. Okay. So you've chosen the uh, pink and blue. <laughs> flamingo, flamingo, fuck it square. square. So, 
far away. Phone me up and uh, I'll throw an objection at you. Oh, hi, Broden. It's uh, Stuart here. Um, I wonder if you can help me. Um, I understand that you're going to the Gold Coast um, Racing Club this week, and you've decided to wear a suit. And I was wondering if you've heard about this amazing charity that uh, is promoting a, f a flamingo handkerchief. No, I'm not. But I'm I am going to the uh, I'm going to the races next week. But I haven't heard of that charity before. Okay, so what we've what we've done is that uh, we've worked together with Village Roadshow and a number of other uh, Gold Coast businesses. And uh, if you wear a pink flamingo handkerchief, uh, you will be automatically entered into a draw of Satoral Elegance at the Gold Coast uh, Raceway, and uh, with a chance to win a prize. So they're only five dollars, and uh, we would uh, greet you at the gate, and we will proudly pass over your flamingo. Um, yeah, it sounds great. I think it's just probably a bit of a bad timing right now for me. A bad timing. What time are you going to arrive at the uh, the Gold Coast uh, Raceway? I plan on rocking up first thing in the morning at 8am. Okay, awesome. And have you, have you got a, a, a seat? you know where you're sitting? Yeah, somewhere sort of midsection. Okay, cool. What we'd like you to do is uh, you, we'd like you to come and uh, visit us on the way through and uh, come and pick up your um, handkerchief. And so quite simply, all we need you to do is decide whether you want one for you or up to three for the rest of your crowd, and uh, we can arrange the payment for, as we speak. Yeah, all right, let's do it. Okay, fantastic. Thank you very much. <laughs> that wasn't a very good sale, but anyway. It's hard on the spot, though, isn't it? It is hard on the spot. No, the best one's a pen where you have to sort of, you know, get um, sell, sell a pen, and it's like, oh, no, here we go. Sell a pen. Yeah. I think that one's a bit too cliche now. Yeah. I think it's overused. Yeah, okay. The pen's always the most easiest item to grab. Exactly. Yeah, no, so I don't know why I decided to have a charitable um, handkerchief, but there you go. Well, funny, because the uh, last guy went through this with, went through the same thing. He was going through a charity as well. Okay. Must, must be something that uh, is going to make it sell a little bit easier. We'll have to see how the trend follows on with yeah. the, with some other guests. Okay. But good sell. I mean, it's a hard objection to come over. Any objection that you get is yeah, just... typically pretty hard, but I think you dealt with it pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, I think most of the time your first objection you get is a smokescreen. Mm -hmm. It's not the true objection, and you did pretty well at deflecting it and moving on anyway, mm -hmm. and then you built a bit more value and went for the close again. Yeah. So I think that's the first thing that most people can do is just deflect, overcome, move past. Yeah. So, mate, that's what it's all about. I guess to, to, to wrap up the podcast and of such is what's what's the most important or the, the best lesson that you've learned in sales in your life, the most important one? Just be genuine. You know, it, 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 believe in what you're, what you're doing. Believe in the, the outcome for your customer and then just, just explain to the customer exactly the reason that the benefits are, are evolve and, and uh, keep it simple and, but keep asking for the order. Yeah, so do something you believe in. Yeah. I think that's good advice. Thank you. Mate, been a pleasure having you here. Thank you very much. Thank Anytime. You. you did a good job selling that. Thank you. This has been the Tales of Sales podcast with Broden Johnson. To master the art and science of selling, follow us on our socials at BrodenJohnson1 or check out our website, thesalesacademy.com.au. And remember, keep an eye out for our upcoming book, Core Selling. See you next week.